One of the beautiful things about being in a mastermind and connecting with other highly successful, bright entrepreneurs is that you get to see trends with what's happening in the industry before most solopreneurs do. Over the last year, I only know one person who hasn't had a launch that performed worse than in prior launches, sometimes significantly so. And these are successful, established entrepreneurs who know what they are doing and have done it several times before. So today, I invited Annie Hyman Pratt onto the show to have a conversation about how to go through a recession as a business owner. Annie's got around 30 years of experience as a CEO and has weathered several recessions successfully. She founded her company, Leading Edge Teams, to provide entrepreneurial companies training and executive coaching. She's a highly, highly sought after business advisor who has faced and solved an incredible number of challenges. And her clients include entrepreneurs like Stu McLaren, Jeff Walker, Dave Asprey, Ryan Levesque, Susan Pierce Thompson, and Reed Tracy. I have to admit, okay, little confession here. I literally squealed with delight and did a happy dance when I got the email saying that she accepted my invitation to be a guest on this podcast. And I am thrilled to introduce her to you today in this episode. Whether you've seen your business decline or not, this is a time of great uncertainty. And Annie's experience and advice can help you prepare to get through this without making mistakes that could cost your business dearly. And if you're new here, allow me to say welcome to the Bright Entrepreneur Podcast. This podcast, it's for online entrepreneurs who are intentionally designing a business that gives them the life that they want without sacrificing profit, working insane hours, nor trying to do it all by themselves. You are going to get to eavesdrop on high-level conversations with some of the brightest entrepreneurs who believe that we truly are brighter together. If you're an action taker who wants to make both an income and an impact, who thrives in community, and who really wants to empower the people you serve, all while creating a lightweight business that gives you the lifestyle you want, then you are a Bright Entrepreneur, and this podcast is for you. My name, it's Jamie Bright, and I can't wait to share with you the wisdom and tips from my own experience and from the Bright Entrepreneur community so let's dive right in to this conversation with Annie. Hello, everyone. I am here today with Annie Hyman Pratt, and I am so excited to have her here on the podcast with us. I first got to know Annie, gosh, I think it was like four years ago, three, four years ago in the mastermind that I'm in with Stu McLaren. He had invited her to come to speak at our mastermind. And it's not unusual to have speakers come, but in the six gosh, almost seven years now that I've been a part of the mastermind. She was one of the top speakers that really left a massive impression. And I know when she left the room afterwards, all of us, like our jaws were on the floor. We're just like, we need more of her. And she shared with us about team building and team structures. And as a people person, I could quickly see her brilliance in understanding how to navigate difficult people situations, how to really get the best out of your teams. And at the time, she didn't have a book. She just published a book on it, which I'm so excited to share with you. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. And it's all about how to grow those amazing teams. So that is coming. We'll share that in a minute. But why I invited her on today is because I got to hear her again recently 
And she was talking about the recession and how can we navigate our businesses in light of the recession? How are we good leaders? How do we make changes, bring our team along? How do we handle our team? All of those things. And so that's where we're going to start today, because I know that has been in the forefront of a lot of people's minds. It's definitely in mine. And so Annie, what I would actually really love before we dive into all of that is if you would just take like a couple of moments to share a little bit of your background. I know I know your history a little bit, but I'd love to hear it in your words and sure. why I asked you to speak about this. Like what experience do you have in terms of recession? So I started my career in a family business. Well, I did a little bit of accounting first, but then I came back to my family's business, which some people may know called the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. It's a business that my parents had started in the 60s. By the time we got to the very early 90s, my dad had had some health issues and so asked me to come back to operate the business. Otherwise, we were going to sell it then. And I came back at a time where it was the beverage revolution, the coffee beverage revolution. So I had a lot of kind of good wind at my back for growing the business. And I took that business from seven pretty small mom and pop coffee stores to 70 that were all very high volume including some overseas licensing. And we sold the business at the very end of the nineties. Unexpected mm. to me, my parents sold the business. That's a whole other podcast. But let me just say that at the time it wasn't what I wanted, but looking back, I'm so glad that it happened that way because what I got to do was then be an interim executive at lots and lots of different types of companies. Mm. I've always been interested in the people part of business, like in, you know, I'm kind of a closet anthropologist, like I'm fascinated by human behavior. And what I got to see by doing, you know, so many executive roles, it was anywhere between six months and a year. Typically I'd come in, learn about the business, get it kind of cleaned up, hire my replacement, go on to the next one. And, and I loved learning all different kinds of businesses and seeing how the people part was so, so, so similar every time. Mm -hmm. And the people part is the thing of like, you know, you can have the best systems and process, best strategy, best balance sheet. And at the end of the day, if the people part's not working, the business is not working. So I did that. I meant to do it for like a year. I did it for more than a decade. And then, then I started to pivot. <laughs> then I started to pivot my business to do a lot more consulting and a lot more consulting, not just in operations and finance and strategy, but to do a lot more consulting and helping companies with the people part of their business. So mm -hmm. leadership, infrastructure, and team. And I still do that today. And I do it with companies in private engagements. And I also have a group program. We have a group program that we run so that we can work with some much smaller businesses, entrepreneurial mm -hmm. businesses that want to train their leaders and don't know how to do that. So we kind of, we will do that for you. Yeah, I That's... love it. So tell me through all these years, I know you've weathered yeah. a few recessions. Can you speak to yeah. a little bit about why yes. we can have this conversation and some of the experience? Yes. Having? Okay. So I've been through three, really three kind of what I consider to be big recessions. This would be the fourth one, mm -hmm. 2000, 2008. <laughs> and really in 2012, 2013, I worked with quite a few businesses, especially in entertainment that went through a really, mm -hmm. really difficult pocket, really difficult. And during those times, I found that the fear could cause people to make really poor decisions. I'll just kind of start there. 
and that the expectations really needed to change because at the end of the day, like if I zoom out into the end of, not the end of the whole recession, but companies go through a really tough time as long as they survive reasonably Mm. intact. I've done tons of workforce reductions. They don't need to keep all their people. They don't need to not go backwards in the business. That that's fine. There are times businesses have to shrink, have to go backwards. It's okay. But Mm -hmm. if you can get through and survive reasonably okay, then the most important part is you're there when the next opportunity appears. And that's the thing Mm -hmm. that like people can't see now, but it's coming. Mm -hmm. It's coming. And it's not the kind of thing of like where you can completely shut down, sit on the sidelines and think, well, I'll notice when the new opportunity comes. You need to be in business Mm -hmm. so that you're right there when you see the next thing. And so I found that while these times are difficult to go through, it really is the case of like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. 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 I do. I mean, I went through a big business downfall with COVID and everything that happened there. I'm definitely stronger and more aligned than ever that I've been, but is definitely not the kind of thing you ask for or really want to go through. So absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's also, it can be pretty harrowing for people that are going through it for their first time. Right. That's, that's kind of how it is with everything. And I wish You know, one of the things I would love to give people if I could is, you know, is basically kind of the the magical confidence of knowing that people that have been through it are confident you can get through it and you will be better off, even Mm. though it does feel like this is a time where it can feel pretty scary. How do you recommend people navigate through that time of uncertainty? Like, how can we be the best leaders for our business, for our people, and really deal with all of this uncertainty? So the first thing is to know that things are changing. And it becomes pretty apparent that what used to work is no longer working. Or Mm -hmm. there's kind of like no way to achieve your goals. Like, you're just looking at it going like, what happened? Last year, we were growing like gangbusters. And this year we're going backwards. I could just see that our goals need to change. Entrepreneurs often are reluctant to change their goals. They feel like it's maybe a failure or like I'm giving up on my dreams and no, you're not (laughs) because the (laughs) long-term, your long-term ambitions can stay intact. But what we need to change are your short-term expectations because You have to respond to what's actually happening in the environment to actually survive. This is a time where things completely out of our control change in a big way, like like COVID. Mm -hmm. COVID was Mm -hmm. a a giant change. And for some businesses, just absolutely enormous. I worked with a few entertainment companies and um, I've been working with for a really long time. And COVID was bizarre for them because first the whole world shut down. Literally like, you know, nobody is filming a thing. (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. just... Nobody's like going outside on a set. And they almost went out of business for having Mm -hmm. zero revenue. This is not like just a little drop in revenue. This is like going from, you know, millions of dollars a month to zero. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then when it came back, it came back just in a trickle. And then suddenly it was like all back. You just don't know how it's going to go. And you do have to keep shortening your timeline, changing Mm -hmm. your goals to be closer to the next step 
until things get more stabilized, until you can see the future more again. So, okay, so can I can I ask for a little yeah. clarity there? I work with a lot of entrepreneurs who are seeing the things that they've done not working like they used to. Their launches yes. are lower. I know that the question in their mind is that, well, how do I know? What are some of the practical changes they should be considering? Or yes. how do you how do you actually navigate that messiness as yes. you're in the middle of it? Yes. So one of the first things is to really assess like understand, okay, my business has dropped. Let's say my business has dropped 30%. I think that's mm -hmm. actually kind of common right now. Okay, my business has dropped 30%. Okay. One of the most basic things we need you to know is your break even. Is that, <laughs> is that below break even or is it above break even? Mm -hmm. If it's below break even and you mm -hmm. don't have two years of cash sitting around, like if you mm -hmm. don't have a lot of cash, which most entrepreneurs don't, then- mm -hmm. Now is the time to look at how you're going to adjust to not be afraid. If my revenue is down 30%, let me see where I can pull back. Maybe mm -hmm. I have some full-time people that I put to part-time. Maybe I focus on my high-end programs and I don't focus so much on advertising and selling my low-end programs that have dropped even more in mm. revenue. Right? Because ads cost going up. Is that what you mean? Yes. Because ads cost going up. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And in this kind of an economic time, getting anybody to buy a brand new product is harder. Marketing helps. Oh my gosh. Don't get me wrong. Marketing helps, but it's <laughs> oh, a great, it's a great time to really cherish and do what you can to hang on to your current customers, really focus on those current ones because they will stay loyal. So what do you see as some of the mistakes that people make when they encounter this uncertainty and they're really like freaking out, like, oh my gosh, my launches and everything are 30% lower. Yes. I don't have a ton of yes. cash. What are the big mistakes that they should be avoiding? Yeah. The biggest, biggest, biggest one is thinking they have a lot of time to figure it out because every week that goes by and you're like, I think this will turn around. I don't think it's going to get worse. I think it's going to get better. I think my next launch, I have some new ideas for my next launch. It'll be fine. Okay. It's sort of this, this denial that it's actually going down and that when things are dropping, especially kind of early in a cycle, like now, the chances of it continuing to drop are much more than it reversing course. And so cut earlier hmm. to think about it as, Hey, look, we need actually need to do some changes now. Mm -hmm. So that we have a lot more time to get ourselves more stabilized, that we have time to kind of last and see where things shake out, where we really want to go next. I am the kind of person that can get paralyzed in decision-making for sure. The higher stakes the decision, the, the more time I want. Mm -hmm. And this is the time to recognize that works against you mm. by not cutting earlier shoring down your resources, so to speak, or shoring up your resources by not looking at that picture. Now, every week that goes by, you're in worse shape. So as people are looking at pivoting and you talked about making fast decisions, how can we do our best to make the right decisions when we don't have a lot of time or don't yes. really know what's happening? Yes. Right. When we don't have a lot of time, when I think of it also as the facts kind of keep changing. It's like, mm -hmm. you think you have an idea of what's happening. Then you get a new piece of information. It's like, oh no, this is not how I thought it was. The first thing about decision-making during these kinds of times is that this is not the time to isolate. 
This is the mm. time to connect with people you trust, to connect with others that have a perspective that's kind of maybe in your industry area, but it can add to your perspective. This is mm -hmm. the time to talk to your team. This is the time to not think inside your head, I'm going to make this decision and then blurt it out. This mm -hmm. is the time to use sounding boards, thinking partners. I might call up a business associate and say, hey, you know what? My business is down 35%. And here's what I'm thinking of doing. I'm thinking of really reducing customer service and keeping my person that's going to do my high-end program. And I'm thinking of pulling back my coaches and maybe I'll do more coaching for a while for me to say all that and mm -hmm. then have the other person both reflect it back to me so that I can kind of hear it from a different angle, right? And to just give me support. Like, have you thought about this? Or mm -hmm. I'm not sure about that because I tried that and here's how it went. Mm -hmm. You definitely want thinking partners. And as you're going to start to make decisions, put it out tentatively so that you can keep mm. getting more information into your decision. And pretty soon you start to kind of form an opinion of like, I think I'm going to go this way. Then you get a new information. You're like, oh no, I don't really know. <laughs> but by day, like two and a half, there's not a lot of new information coming in and you're like, you know, I do think this is the, the way to go. And your confidence goes up. That's the first thing. Then the second thing is to trust that you've done enough. If you reach out, if you use a thinking partner, if you look at some of the alternatives, that is going to be enough. Now you're going to have to trust. I have made the best decision I can make. And when new information comes in, I may pivot, but I've gathered the basics. And as long as you are there, as long as you don't make the decision too, too quick before kind of getting your grounding, your decision-making will be as good as it could possibly be. I love that. And I love being able to leverage other people's experience, which, you know, I run masterminds. And so that's a huge part of this huge. is having a place where you can be safe, seen and supported even yeah. in the hard stuff. This is my 11th year full-time in business online. And I remember at the beginning, I felt so afraid to share when things weren't going well, because yeah. I had this level of success. I wanted to be seen as successful. And I was afraid to admit like, this isn't working the way that it used to. And I know because of obviously running the mastermind, but also from being in one and talking with lots of entrepreneurs that this is something almost everybody is struggling with from, yes. you know, people starting out through people who've been established for a decade or more. It's not you failing. This is something outside of us happening that we get to react 100%. to. 100%. And it is one of the great things about masterminds and peer networks, even talking with your team, is that it's easier to solve somebody else's problem, like you're more neutral on helping somebody <laughs> else think through their problem, right, yep. than you are with your own. And it's a gift when you are willing to come to the table with a problem that other people can help you. That's actually a gift to the other people. Because mm -hmm. who doesn't love to help other people? It's so fulfilling. And mm -hmm. during a time like this, where it's harder to come by the big knock it out of the park success, where mm -hmm. your success is sometimes, hey, we were down less this month than last month, <laughs> like success. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, during a time like this, getting to help other people, it really keeps you sane. I think. <laughs> I, I love that perspective. I want to actually kind of pivot this. So you yeah. talked about talking with peers. What about your team? 
this is like your area of expertise. So as you're walking through this, a lot of the people listening probably have a team of 10 or less. Some of them may only have one or two people. And so how can we be good leaders through this? How much should we bring them into the decision process? Could you speak to that? Definitely. Okay. So because this is a time where there's a lot of uncertainty and uncertainty breeds fear. And the thing about fear is it grows in the darkness when people don't have information, when they don't have true information, they actually imagine that things are even worse than they are. So one of the mistakes that leaders make is by not saying, hey, this is a hard time. And let me just tell you about the parts that are hard. Let me tell you about what's changed here. Let me tell you at least kind of the nature of some of the difficulty that we're dealing with. So you want to be open about the fact that you are having challenges. That's first thing. Second thing, depending on the level of responsibility, that often determines how open you're going to be. Mm. So the higher level of the responsibility, the more responsibility the team member can take, the more open you want to be because they need good information. They need as much context as possible to help Mm -hmm. you think. To again, Mm. be good thinking partners, to be good problem solvers together for them to bring a perspective that you don't have and vice versa. Super, super important. And with those high level leaders, they should be the people that you can trust. If you have Mm -hmm. a high level leader that you can't trust that you're thinking somehow they're going to blurt out your problems all over the internet or something. Okay. Well, you shouldn't have them at all then, (laughs) but fair enough. So you want to utilize those people as real resources and, and how you keep them out of growing their fear is to say the truth and talk about your intentions, Mm. what we intend to do, how Mm -hmm. we are thinking of approaching all this. Because Mm -hmm. that's the thing that people need to have confidence. Not that you are definitely going to figure all this out perfectly. Nobody's Mm going to have confidence in that, but Mm -hmm. they can, they, you want them to have confidence that we're going to keep moving. Mm -hmm. We're going to keep working to solve this. We're not going to ignore it, go into denial, go into crazy decision-making. We're going to be here right with it. So that's Mm -hmm. really important. And then for people that have a way less responsibility, you can think of it as they can't understand the big picture and the numbers like you can. So for them, I would talk a bit more in general terms. And then to say to them, if you have any specific questions, come find me. If you have some Mm -hmm. fears, if you're wondering about something, come find me and we'll talk about it. I love that. So when you do make those big changes, then, so you talk to your team and the higher level people that are your brains and yes. they're wonderful. I love having those conversations. And then you make these decisions to make a change. Yes. How do you communicate that in a way to your team that they get on board, especially yes. if it's something completely new and they're already feeling fear and uncertainty. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna plug your book here a little bit. I know yeah, you yeah. talk about this and you have a yes. whole chapter on changing, but do you wanna speak to it here a little bit yes. and how you can communicate that? Definitely. Okay, how our minds work is we tend to think in terms of like where we last left off in the story. It's so it's kind of like, you know, I have expectations and us humans are hardwired to think things are just kind of continuing as they, as they happen in the past. 
So the very first thing we do when we're gonna communicate any kind of change, we talk about what changed, mm -hmm. literally, because that says we were going along in this story. Now I'm gonna tell you something different, right? Now mm -hmm. we're going to pivot in the story. And so in a case like this, it could be something like, hey, you know, we've been really growing and steady in our revenue over the last few years. And this year, for the first six months, we're down in revenue 30%. Okay. Change, right? Just literally, what changed? And then mm -hmm. that's, that's what changed. And then we're going to talk about the impact of that. Here's what changed. Here's what it means. We're down 30%. And you may be in a business where you're totally lucky and you're like, and you know what? That's okay for us. We're still profitable. We're going to not do this brand new, huge project that we were thinking of, but we're still going to continue like we were. Great. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or you might say, so being down 30% of revenue, it means that we've gotten very unprofitable and we need to look at reducing our costs so that we can just make it through the end of the year. First, let them know the impact. Then the thing that's going to give them confidence is to talk about the things you thought of before you mm. made a final decision. So we're going to have to reduce expenses. We know that we're going to reduce a lot in technology, but we are probably most likely going to need to cut some team. We're thinking mm -hmm. that would probably happen in the next few months. And we really looked at, is there a way to not cut team? Could we get everybody to take a salary reduction? Could we go to part-time? Here's some of the other things that we looked at. And we found that those weren't going to work as well as the choice we're making. Uh, I can tell you've had these conversations because my heart is yes. like, oh, this is the last conversation you want to have. But that's what leaders do. Yes, this is what leaders do. It, because you're building trust, but it's not trust that you can make it perfect for them. It's that they can trust that you care about them that mm. you are a good steward of this business, mm -hmm. that you will tell them the truth. And when those things are in place, people want to stay. One of the reasons you're doing that is because even though you might have to reduce some team, you need your best people to stay and to want to stay. This is a time where your best people can get poached. Try not to let that happen. It's kind of weird in a labor market where there's tons of labor available, there's not very much great labor available. And this is also a time where you need great labor or you need really strong thinkers, really skilled people, mm -hmm. because the margin of error is smaller. I'm not going to make up for sloppy work with just a lot of extra sales. That's not going to happen right now. We have to be really mm -hmm. good at what we do. So yeah, so you want to keep your good people. And the way you keep your good people is by creating the kind of relationship where they know you're doing your best and you're having their back. Like you care about mm -hmm. how things turn out for them. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. you can fix everything all the time, but it means yeah. that you will be honest with them and you'll keep trying. I know you go deep into those kinds of conversations. I love too yes. that you have whole scripts in your book yes. that literally walk people through how to yes. have, I call them leadership earning yes. conversations because you totally. can know what to do, but until you've done it, you have not earned your leadership and you make it so easy yes. with telling you exactly what to say. And that's yes. beautiful. Yes. Starting with what changed is a leadership life-changing habit. And sometimes you know, and it can be in like simple things too, 
maybe you have decided to change the title of your new product. And that's something that maybe isn't the biggest deal, but I promise you the team will be irritated if they've already made all the materials, right? <laughs> so, so anyhow, the, even the way to change something like that, instead of saying, hey, I changed the name, here's what it is now. And the team's like, oh, can't believe we're making another change. Instead, you want to say, hey, you know what? I've had something come up. I was thinking about our name. I was talking to so-and-so and I realized that this name I don't think is going to get quite enough revenue because it doesn't talk about the benefit enough or, you know, now I'm trying to kind of make something up. Yeah. But, and so I've had a change in my thinking. I'm now thinking that a different name would make a big difference in the revenue. So even if what's changed is your thinking, it's mm -hmm. okay. That's way better than just like, I changed it. Because then people feel like you don't care a bit about me. Mm. Make sense? Instead of yep. I'm thinking about the business. Here's yeah. why I'm bringing the change. Yeah. I know there's some study where they were talking about different ways to be allowed to cut in line at like a print machine or oh. something. Yep, yep. And they found that if you were to use the word because people yes. were more likely to let you cut in line. It yes. didn't matter what the reason was, but if you had the, can I cut in line because even if it was yes. dumb, my dog needs to pee. They're yes. like, okay, here you go. So I just, I think that's so smart. And obviously yes. it's a much bigger thing than, you know, making a print, yes, but yes. It, it comes back to it. It totally works. It totally works because we have a unsaid agreement in society that you wait in line. You don't cut in line. That's our mm -hmm. agreement. You have to change the agreement. And the word because does this. I know I should be waiting in line and that that's the agreement here, but I would like to cut in line and here's why. Like uh -huh. that's like the change, right? So that's, yeah, it has people I, renegotiate. I want to actually talk about the word agreement. Your book, the people part is actually the seven yeah. agreements entrepreneurs and leaders make to build teams, accelerate growth and banish burnout for good. There's a line that says agreements are a process, not a promise. Yes. Can, you, can you just share more about this? Because I think it's yes. so subtle, yes. but it's absolutely key to everything. It is. It's super important. We tend to think of agreements as little mini promises. And it's kind of like we have whole books that are like, you know, keep your agreements. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Somebody like that. Okay. And, and we do want people to do what they say they're going to do. Okay. That's mm -hmm. not like, don't get me wrong. We, we want people to do that, but here's the thing. Agreements, especially in business, which is what we're talking about here. Agreements are always situational. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm going to do this you're going to do that because we have this situation where we have all this stuff going on. And this is how we're going to get the outcome. Mm -hmm. The intention of an agreement is always to get closer to a goal. One of the best things about business is that we have goals that makes it a lot less personal in business. We have an agreement. And as long as the situation stays the same, stays reasonably the same, we're probably just going to keep our agreement because that is going to be the best thing to do to get the outcome. But if something changes, which things change all the time, then the best thing is not going to be to keep that agreement. The best thing is 
most likely going to be to go back to the table and renegotiate. Agreements are all about the process of you and I negotiating for what's my part, what's your part, what's best going to get us to the end result. And when things change, we have to change those agreements. We have to. They're not one and done. They have to be flexible. I think about it very much as like agreements are like a basketball pass, meaning there's two people involved. They each have to demonstrate all these competencies at once. Okay. And it's pretty easy to pass the ball when nobody else is on the court. Like even I can do that. (laughs) But if you're playing a difficult team and you know, you've already been running for three quarters and you're getting really tired and the other team is really good at defense you're not going to complete every pass. That's like an agreement, right? Every agreement is not going to work out and Mm. that's okay. (laughs) We will change our strategy. When you miss a shot at the basket, we have what's called a rebound, right? We are going to have to change things and also know that as good as the best athletes are, there's no basketball player who makes every pass. There is no business leader who keeps every agreement. It's not possible. (laughs) It's how we work together. It's the Mm -hmm. mechanism. It's like Mm -hmm. how we set intentions with each other. That's what I love so much about your book is that you actually walk through those seven agreements. And I'm not going to tell everybody what all of them are because I want you to go and get the book and read it because it's, it's honestly that good. And I don't say that lightly. I don't promote a ton of these, but I am really geeky about leadership and identity and what 99% of the leadership books out there are like, here's how you make your corporate team perform better. And here's how to do a good evaluation. And here's how you goal set. And yes, there are some nuggets in there that can be applied to the entrepreneur world. And you can learn a few things, but it kind of all says the same thing in the same context. And there's very few books that I've found that really speak to how do you handle a team, especially a smaller one, when you're an entrepreneur, would things change fast? Because if I've learned anything, we have to change all the time. Like I, I'm a big fan of the founding member launches or beta launches or whatever you want to call it, where you do it and you sell it before it's done Yes, because then you can learn and to have that flexibility is a gift that we have that large corporations don't. Absolutely. But it's, it's hard with teams. Sometimes you have to really have those people that understand that change. And then how do you communicate it? And well, this was not good. And so we're going to shift. And I know I told you this, but now I'm thinking this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's how you do it. Literally (laughs) instead of, uh, I think there's, you know, sometimes there's myths out there of like, you know, leaders need to be super decisive and it depends on what we're talking about here. But most Mm -hmm. of the time when you're communicating with team, you're not in decisive mode. You are in, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? Because we need people's brains. We need their best thinking. More and more things that are very task oriented, those are going away. We actually can get robots to do those, but for the best thinking, we actually still need human beings. Like we still are the best human beings can still take in more variables all at once, make sense of it and do something good with it. You know, Mm, I was, I love that. Make the example of we've been working on a, you know, Tesla has been working on making a self-driving car, an autonomous Mm -hmm. car for a lot of years now. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and they don't have it all down yet. They're getting there. They don't have it all down yet. 
And yet we can teach any 16 year old how to drive. So Annie, as we close this out, what I would love is if you could sit down in front of somebody right now who's maybe had really great growth over the last few years, they came in, it started to grow, they're doing well, and now they're starting to see things fall a little bit and they're afraid. They're just afraid. And I know we talked about tactics and stuff, but with your experience, what would you say to somebody who's just like freaking out and maybe they're even doing it alone or maybe the tiny team. Do you have anything that you would say to them? I think that the two things, one, you aren't alone Two, mm-hmm. you're human. <laughs> okay. Like humans. I mean, fear is it's our most basic emotion in a lot of ways. It's the most important emotion we have because it was meant to have us survive. So to recognize that as human beings, we are hardwired to feel a lot of fear. We really mm. are. And to just have a lot of compassion for that. It's not possible for me to be superwoman and have zero fears. That's not a thing. And so it's like, I'm going to have to get better at coping with my fear, at mm. being okay with it. And that starts with just recognizing like, I'm human. It's not really an option to have no fear, right? And then I think the second thing is, and I think this actually comes from probably being a little older than a lot of people listening to this podcast. Just a tiny bit, (laughs) tiny, tiny tiny bit, bit, not much. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Is that some of the scariest or most challenging, most traumatic times that I've been through in my life that at the time I was sure they were the worst thing ever. I look back and I'm really glad they happened, Mm. right? That, that these times you can't see it in the moment, but mm-hmm. they often are life-changing gifts that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that happened now. For me, one of the biggest ones was when my parents sold coffee bean, when they mm-hmm. sold the family business. And it wasn't what I wanted at the time. I really thought I would be my whole life. I would be the bean queen. I was having a great mm-hmm. time, you know, mm-hmm. 30 years old. And I thought I would do it forever after it sold, I I really struggled. And I thought I'm never going to have anything like that ever again. I'm never going to be that successful, have that kind of status, et cetera. Just, you know, other people, of course, were like, what are you talking about, Annie? But, but that right. was true for me at the time, right? It was really true for me. And, and now I am so, so, so glad because I, I loved that experience. Afterwards, I got to see all different kinds of businesses. And frankly, this business right here is my calling. I love what I do. And I had a a dream a few years ago, I was telling my husband about where I got coffee bean back, you know, for, Mm -hmm. for a decade, I would have taken it back in a heartbeat, but I have this dream where I got coffee bean back and I'm like, what the heck? I didn't want it back. How did I get coffee bean back? I like my business. Why is this here? Uh-huh. <laughs> so to kind of remember that too, right? That, yeah. that just to have compassion and, and to know that like, oh my gosh, to be human, to be ambitious. One of the things that I say is that your compassion has to exceed your ambition. Otherwise you will destroy yourself basically because you keep beating up yourself for not reaching goals. And it's like, if you're going to be ambitious, you're not going to reach all your goals. Like that's just, it's going to be up and down. 
Yeah, I cross country ski and I, I like to bomb the hills and I, I do this long race and somebody was like, why are you doing that? You're going to fall. And I'm like, if I'm never falling, I am never reaching the edge of my potential. Exactly. Exactly. That's how it is. So when you're feeling a lot of fears, just to kind of remember, it's really okay. It doesn't mean that things are going to go badly. It just means well, you're feeling it. And we all feel it. One. I mean, everyone does. We think that we're the only ones who feel it, but everyone feels it, even the yes. most confident people. And Absolutely. then two, everyone said, oh no, Annie, that's silly. You'll be fine. We yes. need those people to reflect because when my business was destroyed through Me COVID too. stuff and choosing to pivot, I needed the people in the mastermind that I was in to remind me of who I was yes. and what I was capable of. Exactly. Yeah. I think of it as borrowing confidence. When we're low, yep. we can borrow it. Other people can remind us who we are. I think that was well said. Oh, Annie, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Everybody go out. You can get a copy of Annie's book. It's called the people part and it's at anniehymanpratt.com slash book. So go check it out. There'll also be links in the show notes. Annie, if there's other ways people want to work with you, where would you have them contact you? Leadingedgeteams.com is perfect. Excellent. And that, that will be in the show notes as well. So you can always contact her there. So Annie, thank you so much. It has been a delight. I appreciate you more than, you know, this was Ah, it just filled me with joy and like comfort. Thank you, thank you. Got a great, and I just, I cannot wait to get more people into your book. Hey, real quick before you go, number one, if you thought this episode was helpful and you know somebody personally that would enjoy it, would you send them a link to it? That would be super awesome. But second, if you enjoyed it, I also have a private podcast just for my email subscribers that I think you would really love. Now you can listen to it on the same podcast player, just like you are this current podcast, but it's only accessible through a unique link that I will send to you via email. Now this is the behind the scenes look at what I'm doing in my business. It's literally my thoughts about my business casually as I'm thinking about it. So it's not after I've done a bunch of stuff and I've distilled it down to a couple of points and I'm sharing, you know, just the highlights with you. Like this is the stuff in the moment that's working, that's not. Um, I have an episode in there that's all about the problems with my offer. I have things that I've been thinking about in terms of messaging and just all sorts of stuff that's going through my brain as I'm growing this business. And I'd love to share it with you. So if you would like to listen All you need to do is go to gettheprivatepodcast.com, enter your name and your email, and I will send it right over to you. You'll get an email with a link that is yours. You can't share it with other people. It won't work for them, but it will work for you. And I know that you are going to love it. You just got to click the link, follow the podcast on your favorite podcast player, and away you go. You'll be automatically updated when there's new episodes. So hope to see you on the private podcast. Again, that is gettheprivatepodcast.com and have a great day. Thanks for listening.